Welcome to VIV Today, the daily business podcast from the newsroom of Business in Vancouver. I'm Kirk LaPointe, Editor-in-Chief. We're actually going to talk more politics than business today. Justin Trudeau's first major task in his second term, this one in a minority government, is to shuffle his cabinet. He's done so. His ministers were sworn in today at Rideau Hall in Ottawa. Now, there are not only some requirements to replace some lost ministers, particularly in the West, but some surprises in the mix. So let's look at the changes, what they might mean, with Mario Canseco. He's the president of Research Co. It's a public research firm. He writes for us at Glacier Media a couple of times a week. Good to have you with us, Mario. Great to be here, Kirk. Well, uh, seven new faces uh, at the table. Uh, obviously, a few of them had to be there because a couple of ministers aren't around anymore. But uh, let's start toward the top here. Uh, Christopher Freeland, who I think everyone would have thought might have been Justin Trudeau's successor had he lost this election, is now named the Deputy Prime Minister and the Minister of Intergovernmental Affairs. What's Justin Trudeau trying to do with this? I think he's trying to send a message to the country that national unity is going to be a very important issue in the next couple of years. Uh, the fact that they were shot up in, in Alberta and Saskatchewan certainly forces uh, the issue. And I think he's doing something that is meaningful in the sense of uh, having the one person who was uh, essentially in charge of trade negotiations with the United States, who was working with the U.S. government, with the Mexican government, now trying to bring some of those skills into trying to figure out a way uh, to stop this discussion about separatism and to try to figure out um, how to have a much better connection with Quebec. So I think it's a good opportunity for her also to raise her already high profile when it comes to Canadian politics. It's going to raise her profile, um, but it, I had the sense that uh, Justin Trudeau wasn't eager to necessarily bump her out of foreign affairs without having someone very clearly able to to take her place. And in François-Philippe Champagne, uh, he has someone who actually has some trade experience. Yes, it's it's a good decision. I think there were many discussions about who was going to take over this. And it, it also sends a message to Quebec in a moment when there starts uh, to be this discussion about what the bloc is going to want uh, in exchange for helping the liberal steer policy through in a minority scenario. So now you have yeah. somebody who can handle foreign affairs and essentially give uh, those in Quebec a way to be part of the um, foreign ministry when it comes to the way Canada looks at, into the world. We're, uh, we're only a couple of uh, hours into all of this with the new cabinet. But one, uh, one thing I think I, I, I want to raise right off the bat is, is the loss of the environment minister, in this case, Catherine McKenna, from her portfolio, um, her replacement. I don't doubt for a second that Justin Trudeau thought Catherine McKenna was a very good environment minister. And yet, uh, very clearly, in recent days, it's become evident that she's been, uh, you know, she's really been subjected to some of the worst kind of public abuse that can come to a minister. Are you suspecting that that's one of the reasons why she's she's basically moving out of a portfolio as high profile as environment and moving into something that that will carry with it, uh, you know, a, a lot less public attention. I think it's definitely part of it. You know, there's definitely been a situation where she's been facing all of these attacks, all of these discussions and memes uh, when it comes to social media. Uh, in a way, uh, the option, if you wanted to have somebody from BC in that role, would have been Joyce Murray, who already had that role provincially. Yeah. Uh, but I think there's a message here also in the sense that this is an issue that is going to be uh, highly toxic, particularly when it comes to Western Canada. 
because of the discussions related to oil. So by having somebody like Jonathan Wilkinson, you're also sending a message uh, where you know we are not going to see the type of uh, trolling that uh, Ms. McKenna was facing when she was environment minister. Now that you have a man in charge, it's definitely sad to talk about it this way in 2019, yeah. but that's definitely going to be the case. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's it's a horrible indictment of uh, of what's gone on when uh, when a when essentially a, uh, any public official is subjected to this kind of uh, a merciless uh, social media attack, um, and and it's uh, it's obviously affected her uh, by virtue that she's she's released a video that talks about the difficulties that it uh, comes with an, on her family. Um, let's look at Jonathan Wilkinson though. Um, he's you know, he he was acquitting himself quite well. Uh, by most accounts in the fisheries um, uh, ministry, um, which has largely been over the years the, the ministry of angry fishermen. Um, in this case here, uh, he does, though, have to stick handle something quite considerable, particularly with the provinces of Alberta and Saskatchewan, and Ontario for that matter. Um, what do you think he, he has to do in order to change the channel a little bit? Well, I think the key to the exercise here is uh, he's somebody from British Columbia. He uh, is in an area that uh, usually votes conservative. And, you know, he won his re-election fairly handily against somebody who had been in cabinet before. So, you know, there's definitely that option of uh, trying to bridge the gap and to um, make some of the red Tories understand that the liberal government is doing what it has to do when it comes to specific issues related to the environment more than anything pipelines. Um, It's also going to be a little bit easier, in my view, uh, to handle some of the things that are going to come with it, particularly when it comes to opposition from the NDP voters, from the Green voters, uh, from those who are affected by the uh, Trans Mountain Pipeline route. Uh, I think it's it's a tough situation, uh, but I think it's going to be a little bit easier for him because of his experience, because he's not going to be facing the same kind of attacks that his a predecessor was was facing. And it also sends a message that British Columbia is an important part of this. You know, I think there was an expectation uh, that because the environment was the number one issue in Quebec consistently, the new environment minister would be from Quebec, but that was not the case. In the case of Joyce Murray, she was brought into cabinet, of course, to replace Jane Philpott when uh, when Jane Philpott resigned um, from from caucus and from her position as a minister. Uh, But she didn't keep the Treasury board. Um, she and, uh, for that matter, Jody Wilson-Raybould uh, have been replaced by men in the uh, in the Trudeau cabinet. Uh, in on balance for British Columbia, is this a bit of a wash right now in terms of of status of ministers that are there? Well, I think it is in some cases. Uh, having Joyce Murray in charge of digital government certainly sounds like a demotion to me, especially after she took over such oh, a Treasury high boards. profile role before. Treasury board is a pretty uh, major Carlos portfolio. Walter. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Carla Qualtrough on employment, workforce development and disability inclusion. I think that's definitely one of the good things uh, related to to BC. Uh, Harjit Sejan keeps his defense portfolio. Um, it's better than it was before. And I think we need to remember it's probably not as high profile as it was back in 2015 when we had justice and defense. And we were, had so many discussions about how BC was playing a major role in the way things were going. But, you know, we can go back to the Jankretian governments where we only had one or two ministers in charge of something called Western diversification. So mm-hmm. there's definitely a situation here where BC is playing a role in the way the liberal government is, is going to be working. Uh, and it's going to be more important now because of the minority scenario. 
I can understand uh, the Joyce Murray appointment. Uh, digital government uh, sounds to me a little bit um, amorphous here. Um, but what do you make of a portfolio like the one Mona Fortier is getting? Middle class prosperity. What is that about? <laughs> well, you know, we were talking about certain ministries that uh, are dif- uh, difficult to to understand. This is one of them. I think there's a situation here where some of the issues that the NDP wants to talk about are going to wind up in that particular desk, uh, whether it is um, getting ready for a pharmacare program, bringing dental care. Uh, we, saw, we heard a lot of talk, particularly from the NDP and the Liberals, about the cost of life, uh, making life easier for middle-income for middle Canadians. Um, the way in which the federal conservatives talked about this was mostly through tax breaks. So this is, in essence, an office that is going to be dealing with some of those nuances that the opposition will have and try to steer policy that is going to please them all. So it's it's going to be a very hard undertaking, uh, but one that will have to be defined a little bit uh, more clearly in, in the next few weeks. You don't typically see a, a high-profile minister like a health minister completely moved out of cabinet in uh, in one fell swoop tends to be a couple of stages where you get a lesser portfolio and then you're really moved out. But Jeanette Petipas-Taylor is, uh, is now uh, the deputy whip, um, and, yeah. and Patty Hadju is, is the new health minister. Uh, what does that tell you about Justin Trudeau's belief in how Ms. Taylor performed? Uh, I think it uh, definitely leads us to question whether he was dissatisfied with certain things that were happening. You know, we were talking... Uh, just a few months ago about how surprised we were that the justice minister had been demoted. And, and we found out it was because of SNC-Lavalin, of course. Uh, so I, I think it may have something to do with what he's trying to achieve when it comes to healthcare, and, and maybe he's seeing this minority situation as something that is probably too broad for the minister that he had before. Uh, but you're right. It's not a situation that you see often where somebody gets completely taken out of cabinet, especially after holding one of the major, major portfolios. Jim Carr is battling cancer, blood cancer. Uh, he, I think, would have been, of course, in the cabinet uh, without terribly much difficulty. Uh, but again, um, there are, um, you know, it, it's it's not easy. There's nobody in the West really that is there uh, for the Liberals in caucus as an MP. He's going to be known as a special representative for the Prairies, and uh, and you know because of course the Liberals were shut out of Alberta and Saskatchewan. Um, what can he serve in the way of uh, of that kind of role for the government when uh, when in fact you know they're going to have their hands filled? Well, I think it's important to have somebody who has that type of experience, and uh, you know he's uh, he's dealt with this before. He's uh, he's been in the House of Commons for a few years. It's not a situation where you have uh, somebody who is appointed especially to try to uh, curry the favor of. of uh, of a specific area, be it by appointing a senator or by bringing in somebody who was elected mm-hmm. from a different party, which is the way conservatives and liberals have done this before. Um, I think it's it's an important situation because it definitely takes away from some of the day-to-day operations that a minister has to deal with, uh, but it also places uh, the government with a situation where you have a friendly face who is going to be talking to the people in those areas, and they are probably going to behave differently with somebody like Jim Carr because of his experience than they would with somebody who who's fairly new and is given a 
fancy title related to dealing with uh, those who are disgruntled by the result of the election. So I, I think this is one of the major uh, good decisions that this cabinet has. I mean, obviously, he's somebody who probably would have been foreign minister under a different scenario. Sure. Uh, but the fact that he's going to be working on something that is important, especially at a time when national unity is starting to become one of the major issues, uh, is definitely good news for the government. A couple of years ago, it looked like Bill Morneau was uh, was basically down to his last days as the finance minister when he really uh, alienated a large part of the small business community in this mm-hmm. country. Here he is, though. Um, he, he's surviving this. He's still the finance minister. Is a little bit of this the fact that there is nobody necessarily pushing him over his shoulder for his job, uh, that, that there is no obvious financial star in, in the, you know, the liberal caucus that, that might be able to usurp Morneau's power? And I think that's definitely part of it. And, and you know, one of the other things that we need to look into uh, when it comes to liberal uh, finance ministers is uh, they're usually uh, expected to be the next prime minister. We saw it with John Turner, for instance. We saw it with somebody like a uh, Paul Martin. Um, here you have somebody who probably doesn't have that kind of expectation when it comes to uh, the next job that he plans to have. Uh, but I think it also shows uh, how our sense of dismay with the operations of the liberal government has shifted dramatically. You know, we were very upset and we saw the numbers and how many people were angry at the liberals because of the tax changes that they were bringing in, because of the discussions related to how doctors were billing and who they were hiring. Uh, that seems to have floated away. And I think the fact that we had bigger scandals to deal with uh, in a very strange and ironic way helped uh, the finance minister keep his job. So a couple of things are still hanging out there uh, for uh, for the government to deal with, um, and, and they're both business-related. One, of course, is whether SNC-Lavalin is ultimately going to get a deferred prosecution agreement. The second one is the government's uh, decision about what it's going to do on 5G technology, specifically whether it's going to uh, integrate uh, Huawei's technology into the country's infrastructure on this one. Do you read anything at all in any of these moves today, uh, the retention of David Lametti as the justice minister, for instance, uh, that that suggests what the government's going to do? Well, I think if they had changed the justice minister, it would have been one of the major talking points for the opposition. Uh, mm-hmm. I think this definitely signals that he's trusting what he's seeing, that he's happy with the situation that he's, that he's uh, inherited. And, you know, you are keeping some somebody who's been there for a relatively short time compared to some of the other ministers. Uh, but if they had changed this, then the, the, the amount of questions from the opposition would have been certainly enormous in that sense. Uh, and now, that, that being said, uh, the Huawei situation continues to be a very contentious topic. Uh, I've asked Canadians twice about how they feel about their involvement in the 5G networks, and both times the majority of Canadians, with an even larger majority of PC residents, have said uh, that they don't want to see this happen. And this is before the crackdown in Hong Kong. So the numbers may have shifted, and it's going to be a very difficult decision for the government if we continue to see a situation where Canadians um, keep having more negative views of China. Mm. By the way, I, I, I may, I'm going to go back and probably get corrected on this one. I don't think there's ever been a woman who's been the fisheries minister. I don't think so either. I mean, uh, it's just going yeah. by yeah, I don't memory. Think so. 
Yeah, Bernadette Jordan is the new Fisheries and Oceans Minister. Anyway, Mario, always good talking to you. Uh, we'll be watching on this one in the next number of days about what's going to happen with some of these moves and uh, certainly what the response of the opposition parties will be to them and whether they're going to, and, and for that matter, the premiers. Always good talking to you. Thanks for your help. My pleasure, Kirk. Mario Canseco is the president of ResearchCo. You've been listening to BIB Today. I'm Kirk LaPointe. Thanks a lot.